Welcome to Better Family Travel with Amy and Kathleen, the podcast where we'll help you plan fun, enriching, and affordable experiences for you and your family that meet your goals. We'll ask ourselves hard questions, reveal our mistakes, and share a new perspective on what better family travel can look like for you. Whether you're a seasoned traveler or your journeys are just starting, you're a better family traveler just by tuning in. Better Family Travels. It's me, Kathleen Monroe, here again with Amy DeCesare. And we are talking for this episode about a destination marathoner whom we began to introduce in our previous episode. I am really excited about this. You know, we, we, we talked about last episode about Mary's trip and I will just tell you my experience with destination marathons. I did it with Lisa Deck, who was our guest on episode four, I believe. And so to remind our, our better family travelers, Lisa had strokes in her early twenties and, you know, really that, that affected what she was able to at that time in life that, you know, she was forced to make different decisions. And as her health started to improve, she embraced that and wanted to celebrate living a celebration of life. And I was going along with her on that journey. And something that I am not particularly proud of in my personality is that (laughs) I don't, I, I, sometimes I set my, sometimes I agree to do stuff and then I procrastinate the prep work. I, I am, I am the crammer on exams, which sometimes I am either the most dedicated or I am the crammer and I really don't have a middle ground. And (laughs) so I am either the over preparer, like, Thank God in law school, that was me. Like there was no stone unturned or I am like I was in high school. Like, well, if I get to homeroom, you know, an extra 40 minutes earlier, I don't have to do any homework the night before because I figured out the system on how to get it done. And unfortunately for me, I agreed to do the marathon and then did not do any of the prep work for the uh, half marathon. I, I did none of the prep work for the half marathon. And, and, Lisa is still my friend and I very much appreciate the fact that Lisa is still my friend, but I was not in any shape at all to do a half marathon. We did Disney. We did. So we, what we did was we did train to end stroke. Right. And, and Lisa, who this is so personal to joined up for the organization. And now she's a spokesperson for the American Heart Association. Yeah. She's one of those, she did the wear red campaign and she's on national billboards now because of this. And I'm like, Hey, I'll do it with you, yeah, but, but not as good as I should have. And so I, I kept thinking I'd have more time. And in my mindset, and this is something I do need to work on, as, as, as it gets bigger, like it's almost overwhelming. And so you don't start, but mm-hmm. I also don't quit. And so I'm just like, oh shit. So I get on the plane and I, I go there after having completely not trained for a half marathon, which, you know, in the earlier podcast of last week's episode, you talked about the fact that you can walk it and oh yes, you can walk yes, it. Yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can. You just have to finish in a certain time. So you just have to keep ahead of that sweeping, <laughs> the, 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 you know, the sweeping vehicle that'll get you off the track. So we did train to end stroke. We did it in Disney. I'm like, hey, it's a trip to Disney. I want to go to Disney. Probably not the wisest move in my life, but I did finish it. I got a finisher's medal. I I didn't get the worst time in the half marathon. I didn't get swooped up. Didn't get the best time. (laughs) Close to the worst time, but I finished it. And so... It was a definitely an interesting experience, but one of the things I do regret is the fact that I didn't do it the right way and I didn't train and I I didn't give it the best of me. I I had to just show up and do it because I didn't prepare because it felt like, and that's the truth. It felt overwhelming, right? It was like, I don't know how to train for a half marathon. And, and yes, they absolutely laid out the whole program, but I wasn't in a mindset to do it. And, you know, it starts with a step and it takes a lot longer and you, you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't cram for exams and you shouldn't cram for a half marathon. Neither one is the correct approach. I've done both. I can tell you not the best approach, but I did do it. I, you know, had to go see the podiatrist after cause I wrecked my feet for a while, you know, <laughs> like not to be, but like, you know, you can lose toenails doing this thing. It is, it is not pretty. It is not pretty, but it is experience. I, I will remember it. And I'm glad I did, but 
there's a part of me that wishes I could do it the right way. And I, and I do wish I would go back and do it the right way. So having shared my experience, why don't you <laughs> tell us about the better things we shall hear from today's I episode? Don't know. I, you know, I don't think it's not so much better. I think, you know, Mary Powers is her name. I think she would agree with the just showing up and, and getting it done kind of attitude because one thing that I really learned from her is being in the moment. So for those of you that didn't hear last episode, tuning in for the first time for this episode, I've been training for half marathon since COVID hit. I've run a couple of them. I'm doing another one coming up soon and I'm hoping to get my first marathon in by October of this year. So when I remembered that Mary is a destination marathoner, I was really piqued because my interest was just so piqued because I thought, okay, I have all these questions I want to know. What do you eat and how do you sleep and how do you train and where do you choose to go and why do you choose to go there and why did you choose to run a marathon in each of the 50 states? Where, which ones were your favorite races? What were some of your crazy stories? I had so many questions. And through the course of my conversation with her, I discovered that there's so much more to her experience and her value to her goal in this activity than just the technical running of the race. She, This is about living your life. This is about traveling with your sister, traveling and, and going to Jerusalem with your husband for 10 days and joining a group of people who have shared interests and forming friendships that could last you the rest of your life, you know, cultivating interest in parts of the country that you've never seen before and maybe hoping to go back, but also ch physically challenging, challenging yourself and reaching goals, personal goals at any point in your life. For her, she says that she's a late to life runner. So, you know, she's apologetic in the way of saying, well, you know, it's not like I'm, I've been an athlete all this time. This is just something I decided that I, I wanted to do. And so I think it's an encouragement to say, just don't discount your abilities at any point. She's just retired. She's celebrating her retirement from career in healthcare. Her family, our high school teacher, her husband, her, she's got a nurse and special ed teacher and a carpenter among her children, all of whom have participated in covid relief for patients. For her son helped build the mobile units, the mobile care units for COVID. So all, their entire family was impacted by this. And I am so grateful to each and every one of their efforts. I'm going off track here, but go, you know, this far into the COVID pandemic, I don't ever want to stop thinking the people that have played a part in helping the world continue to function and saving lives and easing the comfort of people whose lives couldn't be saved. I mean, this is just, this is a woman whose experiences are so broad and so deep reaching in our community. And, and she looks at the world and says, I'm going to go out there too. And I'm going to go out there and I'm going to run and I'm going to enjoy what my body can do and what nature can give me. And some of the tips that she gives are about how to sign up with an agency that gives you just a little bit of guidance and you can kind of make more of your own choices and make more of your own experience. But she also gives some really great advice for those of us with families who maybe I want to drag my family along with me. Can I, can I turn a race trip into a family vacation? There are agencies that include hikes for your whole family. And if you do enough hikes, they'll give you like a you know, you did it trifecta medal for doing, but they, but they tell you where to go and they tell you what's in the area. And it's kind of like a travel agency built into activity centered trip that I just think hits so many of a lot of people's goals. I want to, I want to have a goal oriented trip. I want to explore my country. I want some of the planning made easy for me. I don't want it to cost a lot of money. It's amazing. Like I just, everything she says and everything she has said to me over this couple of conversations I've had, you know, I feel like, like this is so much more accessible than I think many people know. You don't have to run a marathon. There's so much more to these organizations that they have to offer in terms of having an active vacation for your family. I just think if you're into the technical piece, have a listen. If you're interested in the traveling piece, have a listen. Mary Powers has a wonderful breadth of information that I think even after you've listened, I would love to hear people's follow-up questions and have her on again. I think there's even more to learn. 
Well, and I don't want to go too much further without getting to Mary's interview because I know we talked about it in our previous episode and made this a two-parter. But there's a book that I've been reading recently and there's something that you said that really I, I want to just take a moment and reflect upon, right? Because this isn't something Mary started at 20 years old, right? Right. And there's a book I'm I'm, I'm reading right now. It's called Living Forward by Michael Hyatt and Daniel Harkavy. And it's Living Forward, a proven plan to stop drifting and get the life that you want. And I think that, you know, for many of us, we get to a point where like, my daughter still talks about when she's going to be the, the first woman president. And, and the only thing I can say is it'd be great if we had a, a woman president. You know, if you're the first, that's great. But she's still, she's still dreaming about being president. And the questions that my children ask me when I'm driving is, should all three of them be running for president at the same time? Who am I going to vote for? <laughs> and, and, you know, you can't bust their bubble. That's never going to happen. Right, because you realize that that's not going to happen. You know, even the Bush dynasty did not all run against each other at the same time. When I said that to them, I said, "Listen, you know, I'm you, I'm, you I'm a straws. Whoever gets a short straw runs last." Yeah, <laughs> I told them it was ever about cleaned up the best. I was going to help, <laughs> got to earn my vote. But what I like about this book and what really it struck it what this is, you know, we create business plans for businesses and we create all these other plans, but we, we tend to let life happen to us, especially as we get older, right? Like when you're a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? But the plan, we only get, and we don't know how many days we're guaranteed in this world. We're not guaranteed anything, right? But to actively design and live the life we want to live is not something that many of us do. We, you know, one of the things that they say in the book is, you know, write your eulogy and write it for the first three rows because those are the people in the first three rows are the ones that are going to matter most to you. And most of our life is lived for the people who are really going to be at the best at the back of the service. And those are the people who get most of our time and attention and energy and effort. And what do we want the people in the first three rows to say about us? What memories do we want to live that leave for them? But what is the life that we want to leave behind? Because we only get so much time on this earth. And I think that, you know, in the last episode, we talked about, you know, that 40 milestone and that uh, the 50 milestone is not that far in my future. And the reality is when you get to a certain point in your life, you're like, you realize how quickly we got here. And you look at your parent, we look at our parents, we look at the people and realize, you know, truthfully, like I'm at the halfway point of my life. Should I get close to 100? <laughs> so that's kind of scary to think about, right? Like that's right. where I'm at in my life. And what am I going to do with it? But to see Mary and say, you know, I want to be this runner and I didn't do it in my twenties. I didn't right. do it in my thirties and that didn't foreclose. I might, maybe I do it a little differently. Maybe I have to be creative, all of those other things, but I find that inspiring. I think there's a lot to find inspiring, you know, and, and I think the fact that life starts when you decide it does or your new adventures start when you decide they do, that's kind of the takeaway. You can do anything at any point for the most part, it just is kind of a how and to what degree. And I think you're right. I think taking stock of what it is that you want to accomplish, you know, is a, a really great first step. And because running has become such a huge part of my mental health and what I want to accomplish right now, Mary seemed like somebody that I just really needed to talk to and really wanted to hear about how she made it happen for her because maybe, you know, I'll be able to embark on some of these adventures prior to my retirement years. <laughs> well, with that, let's get to the interview with Mary. It was hard for me to get started today because I went for a trail run yesterday. And so my whole body oh, is a little sore today. <laughs> I know the trails will beat you up, but it's so it's fun. I try to shake you know? it up a little bit so my body doesn't get too acclimated to one type of terrain, you know? Right, right, exactly. So I was thinking about your retirement and wondering whether you had had a party with COVID or if you had to retire quietly due to the oh, restrictions. We we had. You know, I went out to dinner with my managers, and that was nice. And then I went out to dinner with some other people. Listen, I don't really like parties. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it, it actually was perfect. 
it was perfect how I went out. So I was happy. Kind of quiet, not too much fanfare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I much preferred that way. What was your role at, you were at Manchester, right? I was at Manchester and Rockville, both of them. I was the chief nursing officer. Yeah, it was, right. a, great, it was a good job. But I've been there for a very long time. You know, I, I worked there for close to 40 years, but not always in that position. I started out as med surge nurse, went to ICU, did supervision, was a manager. I mean, I pretty much did every nursing job there was. Did COVID have an effect on how you were able to do your job by the end of Not there? really. No. You know what? It actually, not for me, but I'll, I'll tell you, for the frontline nurses, especially in the ICU, mm -hmm. um, it, it had um, a profound effect on them, to be quite honest with you. I mean, in the beginning, the first wave, people were really, really sick, really sick. Yeah. And um, we had a lot of people die. And I think that you just saw how sick they were and how labor intensive the care was. And the fact that it was so unknown in the amount of protection the nurses had to wear and how we had to treat the environment, it was hard for them. And many nurses left after the first wave and they said, I can't do it again. I believe it. Yeah, it was tough. It was a friend tough. of mine. I mean, I'm hospital. sure you've heard from your mom. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it it was it was it was tough for everybody. I mean, I think about you know they had to do training with people on making sure that they were wearing the proper PPE. They had around and make sure that people were doing things correctly. I mean, you know, it was it it was tough for everybody. I mean, it really I think makes healthcare workers really you know look at things a little differently. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that people would need to leave and take a break after yeah. an experience like that. They did. They did, especially the ICU nurses. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think you saw it there probably more than any other place. You know, it was, it was it was hard work. I think the Hartford Current did a couple of video stories mm -hmm. about ICU nurses. A friend of mine from Hartford Hospital shared the link with us, two different yeah. sort of mini documentaries, you know, and they were just, mm -hmm. they made me cry. They were so hard yeah. to watch. Yeah. So, yeah, so I was really just thinking great. about it because it must have been, you know, just difficult to be in the healthcare. It was hard to be, it's hard to be in the school system, much less a healthcare, yeah. you know. Right. So I've got, right. my, my teacher friends are leaving in droves because we're exhausted yeah. as well, but it's a very different kind of exhaustion. Very different. Well, sure. I mean, look, I mean, my husband's a school teacher and I'll tell you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Just the fact that the virtual learning and trying to get the, the, I mean, he does high school out of Hartford. He says just trying to get them engaged and even to participate. Yep. You know. Yeah. And, and yeah. you worry because you lose sleep over not knowing what, what those kids are doing and who's with them. Yeah. I've had lots of sleepless nights over children who oh, are sure. safer in school and better fed at school. And Exactly. Oh, it's exactly. been so hard knowing that we can't help them when we can't access them. I know you, you are so right in that it, because you know what? The schools are a safety net for some of these kids. They are. And without having that, without them being there, you're right. You don't have your eyes on them. They're not getting, yeah, I agree with you. My yeah. daughter does special ed and she said the same thing. She said, you know, she just worries about them so much. And she's out in um, Washington state that they just started going back to school. Right. They did yeah. just start. Yes. Yep. They well, I do started. special ed too, so she and I could get along too, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a speech pathologist in special ed. Yeah. Do you have other children as well? I have a daughter who's a nurse, yep. and she worked at the hospital, and then she left the hospital probably just before COVID hit, and she went into, um, she was an ICU nurse, and she went into home care, and she does um, hospice nursing, and for her, it was extremely frustrating also because she'd have to go into the nursing homes, and she also had continued to work per diem at the hospital, so she just said it was night and day. They didn't have the supplies they needed to keep people safe. She said, you'd go in one week and everybody would be fine the next week. Like the place was like just, you know, a COVID organization. And she said people, she goes, I, you know, she'd visit with her patients who were on hospice. And she said they weren't dying from their their cancer diagnosis. They were dying from COVID. Oh. And she said this, it was horrible. It was horrible. She, she absolutely felt bad for the residents of these nursing homes and she felt bad for the staff because she said they are just not prepared as prepared as a hospital is for this kind of situation right. that's true um, it, it was yeah so it was it was 
you know, no matter how you look at it, it's tough. And then my son, I have a son, he is in business for himself. He does construction. And actually, he says, I've contributed too much to the COVID cause because when the vaccines came out, his company made a lot of the, the overhang shelters for the, these um, mobile drive-through vaccine no um, centers like at Rensselaer Field. So he was, he's pretty proud of that fact. He goes, Ma, I also helped out. I guess you did. So, <laughs> well, a so, huge yeah. thank you from me personally and everybody that I work wow. with to you and your family for everything that, every little thing that everyone has done together as a team to make us get to where we I are know. today. I mean, but you know, I mean, I think we all play a, a part in that. Every last, every last one of us. I mean, who would have thought we'd ever see this in our lifetime? Oh, it's mind-blowing. And if you had told it me is. a year ago that I still wouldn't be teaching full-time to in-person students at this point this year, I would have laughed and said, no way, no way. I know. Nope, sure I know, you're so, you're yeah. so right. That's what a girlfriend of mine said. She's also a nurse, and she had left just before she had retired just before COVID hit. And she said, when it first came out, she goes, oh, this is going to be an inconvenience for a week or two. She goes, here we are a year later and we're still inconvenienced by this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like crazy. It's now, crazy. In relation to this and, and you know, talking about destination racing, did, did you have to slow down your travels during the last year? Oh, you know what? I, I did. Oh, and only because, not that I, I've never been fearful of getting COVID. You know, I, I feel, you know, I practice good infection control and, you know, I always would wear my, my mask and, you know, if I'm out and about. But the reason is because because of the travel restrictions that we have, you know, between the states. I mean, right. I, you just couldn't travel. And the races just stopped happening. But I'll tell you, I just ran a race. And um, it was Mount Lemon in Tucson, Arizona. It was an absolutely beautiful course. I just did it at the end of February. And I was so excited. But you know what COVID has done? And I think I like this. They've changed how the start of a race takes place. Um, you know how usually you line up for a race and there's, you know, hundreds of you. And you're yeah. like, you know, you know, shoulder to shoulder and you're waiting for that, that, that start, you know, yep. you know the, the gun to go off. Well, not anymore. We were bused to the, you know, it was a point to point. So you're bused to the start, but they spaced out, you know, you got an assignment on what time you had to get the bus. And then when you got there, you started every three seconds, somebody else would start. So they lined you up, you know, six feet apart. And then, and you know what? It was the best race ever. You never were in this crowd of people, you know, fighting for your position. Yeah. said, this has really changed racing. And and I still had an amazing time. Now, let me tell you something. They also didn't have a ton of people, you know, handing you drinks and that kind of stuff. But there was always a person at a water stop. But you, you know, helped yourself to the drink. Yeah. And, you know, they just wished you well. And, you you know, you had um, very limited contact. You know, usually, you know, you're grabbing a cup from you know, one of the volunteers and you're running on. So it was a different experience, but I have to say it wasn't a bad experience. It's actually, it was actually kind of nice. <laughs> I mean, very, no, that's very insightful. I think despite some of the difficulties we've had, a lot of new procedures have been developed and put into place that will be long lasting. And hopefully the waves of starts will last. Yeah. I, truthfully, it was, it was, really really nice not anyone had a complaint and even when you got to the finish line they had a mask for you once you finished you got your medal and you got a mask and a mask did um, you have to wear it at the starting line or were you spaced you had to wear it at the, no yeah. you wore it at the starting line and there was a little garbage you know receptacle and you just tossed it as you crossed the starting line and yeah it was it was actually really well done. And I'm doing another one through this same company at the end of this month. And I expect it will be the same way. Great. So I'm going to Park City, Utah and running. It's one of the, I, you know, I don't know if it's called Reveal or Revel races, but they're all downhill courses. You usually can get a good time and wow. um, get a, a qualifying time for Boston. I didn't at this last one, but the one I did in Hawaii just before the pandemic, I did. So, and that was a great course too. I like this company. They do a nice job and they take you to in beautiful places. 
I mean, another great way, you know, to see to see some, you know, incredible places that you may not ever go to. So this is a company that runs races that yeah, do they do any of the travel planning for you or is that on you? No, that's pretty much on you. I mean, they always send you like um, hotel links, like who's their host hotel. A lot of times I'll just do an Airbnb because I, I prefer those, but that's a good company. There's also another one. And, you know, I, I don't know if you want me to promote anything, but vacation races, and they also do a very nice job. And again, it's a great way to see some beautiful parts of our country. I did one one with them and it was called Trail Fest. And we ran three different races. They were anywhere between 12 and 18 miles in distance on three different days. And we ran Bryce, Zion, and the um, North Rim of the Grand Canyon. Wow. So, it was really incredible. And for this group, they had, um, you could camp with them and they had this whole campground and they had activities every night after the um, uh, event, you know, after the race and they had great food and they did yoga. I mean, that was really another great, great adventure and just saw some beautiful parts of the country. Do they yeah. offer financial aid for people? Is it is it sort of just a straight registration cost? Yeah, just a straight registration. But they do, um, you know, depending on how soon you sign up, you know, it's right. less money earlier, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and, you know, you have to pr- provide your own, you know, clearly get your own transportation to these places. But, you know, if you're looking to travel and, you know, you like to be outdoors and you like to, you know, because you see a lot when you're running and you get to go to places that you may not, might not be readily, you know, you might not have ready access to. And I'll give you an example. We did another one through this company, it's Vacation Races, but at that time it was called something else. And it was Antelope Canyon and an absolutely beautiful course, but part of it is on the Navajo land. And you would, you know, you had to get permission from them to run it and you went into the slot canyons now and, and they're absolutely beautiful and you've seen probably pictures of these slot canyons i mean they're oh, yeah. absolutely incredible the thing is you're there before their tourists get there you're out there you know running them and just you know the journey to get out to the slot canyon and then running through them i mean you know on on you know navajo land that you know typically you you don't have easy access to you know what i'm saying yeah so and and you just get to see an awful lot part of that race was also going along horseshoe bend which you know and some of this i think is just crazy like we were running so close to the rim of this huge canyon that I thought, oh my God, one misstep and you will be, (laughs) (laughs) you'll be done. But I mean, the views were, were just spectacular. And, you know, I mean, I suppose you could hike out there, but would you really? Do you you know what I, you know? Uh, Right. Do you carry a GoPro with you or do you stop to take pictures? I mean, if you have these views, but you're running a race, how do you... Yeah, well, let me tell you. you Yeah, when I'm running something like that, I run with my phone. I do run with my phone. Yeah. And I do stop and take pictures. I'm not doing it to win any race. You know what I mean? I'm not. I'm there to experience it and really see the scenery. You know, we did. I mean, I consider myself very fortunate that, you know, I'm able to do this. You know, I'm physically able. And, you know, I've seen places that, I would probably never have gone to. I mean, you could easily fill up a year in Connecticut, or at the very least in New England, on the East Coast. So, why did you? How, how did this start for you? Well, I'll tell you. I started running later in life, and I ran my first marathon, and I fell in love with it. Not everybody falls in love with that distance, yeah. But I, I just fell in love with it, and I said, "Oh my God!" So I said, as soon as I finished the first one, I was already thinking, when can I run my second one? And, you know, I wanted to do it someplace different. So I I went up to Maine, not that far away, but, Mm -hmm. you know, went to Maine and ran my next one. And then in my mind, I had this crazy idea. I'm going to run one in every state. And my husband's like, okay. And so I started to do that. And my sister said, you know, I'm going to do that with you. 
And she had never run before either. And so she started running and she's actually a much better runner than I am. She's crazy. But she and I just, we just said, this is what we're going to do. And we have been, I've been to states that I would probably never have gone to because, you know, I'm like, "Mm." but truthfully, there's not one state that I'm not glad that I went to. You know, we talked about going to West Virginia. We're like, oh, what could possibly be in West Virginia? Why would, well, Actually, we had the best time, and that was a crazy one because our flight got canceled, you know, when we got to our connection because there was overcast, heavy cloud cover in, you know, where we were going to be flying into in West Virginia. And it's actually Marshall University area, and that's where that plane had crashed. I don't know if you remember this. This was years ago, and it was an entire football team, and they were pretty much all killed. But anyway, so you remember that? So anyway, you probably heard about it. Yeah. So anyway, we were like, oh, my God, the flight's been canceled. The race is, you know, like tomorrow. What are we going to do? We rented a car and we drove. And oh my God. Because we, only want, we only want the car for one way because we were going to, you know, we had our flight out of there. So we did that. And you know what? Truthfully, it was amazing because guess what? We saw, again, parts of the country that we would never have seen from an airplane. And we drove through a mountain, you know, a tunnel through a mountain. And it was just, it was just, it was just incredible. And we said, you know what, this turned out to be, you know, a really great trip. And we were dreading going, we're like, what could possibly be in West Virginia for us to see? Well, lo and behold, it was a great time. And we had a great race. The course was fabulous. And we both, believe it or not, we both won our divisions. And so we left there with this beautiful blue glass bowl, you know, and, you know, I still have it today. I'm like, you know, what a great little trophy. That's amazing. So it turned into success in the end. It really did. I mean, so, you know, I truly believe that, you know, it's great. I love traveling, but it's great when you're traveling and you're throwing in, uh, you know, an, another passion of yours. I took my husband. My husband's always wanted to go to Jerusalem, um, to you know, to, to Israel. And I said, oh, this is another running agency. And they do, it's called Marathon Tours. And they'll take you to all kinds of, you know, places, you know, typically around the world. You know what yep. I mean? It's, and so we ran a race in Jerusalem. And they actually planned this 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 company plans your entire trip. So we were there for ten days, and we saw yeah we saw I I would never have been able to see everything that they planned for us to see. You know, my husband, you know, he wanted to go to you know to Jerusalem. We wanted to go to the to the Dead Sea and to you know you know he's he's I'm not going to say he's very religious, but you know religion is important to him. So and. So we're Catholic. So for him to see all the places where Jesus, you know, had had spent his life was really important for him. And so we were able to do all of that with this company. We stayed in, I'm going to get it wrong. It's like, it's almost like a commune, but we stayed one night there. It it was great. We stayed in Tel Aviv for a couple of nights. I mean, and the, the company planned it all. And we were with, the nice thing about this is you are with other people that have the same passion that you do. And that's running. You know what I mean? So you were with a group of people that enjoyed the same things you do. And we would go out as a group. We'd have a celebratory dinner after the race. And you really, you know, you met some lovely people and you made some lasting friendships. So we've done a couple of trips with that company. And again, that's pretty much all inclusive. You know, the only thing you do is you get your airfare separate. But yeah. You mentioned Vacation Races was one organization and Marathon Tours was the other. Was there another one? No, those are the two that kind of, and then there's the the Revel um, race series. Yeah, the Revel. Revel or Reveal. It's R-E-V-E-L. I'm not sure exactly how they say it, but that's a, you know, and that's just, they do, they do, their claim to fame is they're all downhill courses. So you start typically at a top of a mountain, you know, anywhere upwards from six to 8,000, 9,000 feet and you run down. Yeah, strong and, for that. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Yeah, and again, though, you know, they're fast courses and you're right. Uh, you know, one of them after I finished, it was such a steep um, downhill that I was crippled for a fairly good amount of time after the race, like months. <laughs> yeah. but, um, that's okay. 
it's okay. It's all good. It's all the experience. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just fabulous. You know, I think everybody should, you know, it's kind of putting two passions together. You know, the, you know, I, like I said, I, I love, I love that marathon distance. I love putting my body through that torture. Yeah. I know it sounds crazy. <laughs> and, and traveling and just seeing such amazing, amazing places. And you don't necessarily have to go that far. You know, I got a couple of events planned um, next month and they're local, but they're on trails and, you know, trail runners are a whole different breed. They are probably the nicest runners going. Oh my gosh. And they are so nice. I mean, I won a homemade apple pie at a local trail race. This guy is known for his apple pies and to the winners, he would give them an apple pie. And when I say a winner, I'm usually of my age. Uh, you know, my age group, not the overall race, please. But, <laughs> and it's helpful because the older I get, there's less women in my age group. You're rising to the top as you stick with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Am did I your husband run with you in Israel? Did he? He did. He did. did. Yeah, he does. He runs with us occasionally, not all the time. But, but you mostly run with your sister. Mostly with my sister, yeah. When we go to the end of the month, I'm going with her, like I said, to, to Park City. And then the end of next month, we're going to um, Bryce Canyon again. We're going to do an ultra. And then we're heading to Iceland. Believe it or not, you can get back into Iceland. I was so excited. Wow. As long as you have your COVID vaccine paperwork in order, you can get out of the country again to some places, not everywhere. Yeah. You guys must be compatible travelers then. We're extremely compatible. And we laugh about that because, you know, we, we, we require very little, you know, we don't, we don't need to talk, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. We just, we're just, she's the youngest and I'm the oldest and there's six of us. And oh, wow. um, believe it or not, we've always been close. And there's eight years difference between the two of us. So, yeah. But um, Have your kids ever yeah. come on any of the races with you? Um, a couple of times um, my kids have come. And I have to say, my daughter, Megan, she's the best person to bring with you because she'll see you at the finish line. She's excited for you. The others, eh, there goes mine. I'm running. <laughs> Do they do more sightseeing when they travel with you then? And not yeah, as much. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But what do you okay. What do you do for sightseeing when you're trying? I mean, do you, is it all race all the time? Except no, 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 no. How like do you when we were just, well, I'll tell you, we jam pack everything in. We know which day we're running. Like when we were just out in Arizona, when we're in Arizona, because we've been there a couple of times, we always like to go horseback riding. We think right. we're these great horseback riders. We're not. But, you know, we like to we like to go and we go horseback riding. So we fit that in one day. We try to do a hike, you know, in, in the area that we're, we're at. I forget where we were at one time. It might have been maybe Nevada. But there was, it, it like happens like once every so many years, these, this, lake overflows and these beautiful falls happen when the you know because it's up high on a, on a mountain and so we heard about it and we got in our car and we drove and, you know there was lots of people witnessing this you know these beautiful falls from this wow. overflowing lake but you know so we always try we we just don't you know, get there and do the race and, you know, spend the rest of the time in a hotel room. Now, we we always try to sightsee. Like when we go to Iceland, we're going to only get to be there for four or five days, four days, I think. Yeah. And we're going to try to go horseback riding when they're there because their horses are supposed to be, you know, fabulous. They've got, I don't know, a fifth gate. I don't know exactly what that means, but, you know, we figure we'll go try that out. We're going to go to one of their hot springs Probably not the Blue Lagoon, probably a less touristy one because, mm -hmm. you know, I've been before and they're amazing, you know, sitting in this hot water in the, in the countryside. It's just incredible. That's going to so feel we'll good after that. a race, huh? <laughs> oh, that will feel great. So, I mean, you know, we always try, you know, to see something in the area. But I, I'm going to tell you a secret, and we learned this, is don't stay too long in one place. Because if you do, you lose you you, you lose a desire to go back. Oh, you know what I mean? Oh. Just spend enough time 
that you've gotten a taste of it, you've seen a little something, and you're like, you know what, I would really like to go back there someday. You may or may not go back, but it doesn't leave you disappointed. It leaves you feeling like, wow, you know, I saw some beautiful things, and you didn't overdo it. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So um, we've, we've learned that, you know, sometimes you overstay your welcome. You're like, now what are we going to do? So we, we try not to do that. And you told me that you don't, you don't eat out at restaurants very often. You, you say, no. so no, it gets to the point too, where, you know, you're going to start spending too much money if you go out too much or exactly. I don't know. No, we don't, we don't, we typically, you know what, truthfully, you'd be surprised The grocery stores have some great food options and we've now taken to staying in those Airbnbs because a lot of times, you know, you can either get the whole place or even if you just get a room, you know, they usually have something that either a microwave or something that you could heat stuff up. And the grocery stores, truthfully, have a lot of options these days as far as things to eat. And you know what? Restaurants, eh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's okay, but food isn't necessarily a big concern of ours. Right. You know, but How do you sleep before races? When uh, you're, since you're traveling and you're not in your own bed, oh, how does that work out for you guys? That can be a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Because, first of all, a lot of times you're traveling through time zones, so your sleeping is all messed up. And, yeah, it, it is a challenge. But you know what? The older I get, the less it bothers me. You know what? If I'm tired for a race, I'm tired for a race. You know, I mean, it's just what it is. You know, you just have to learn to live with it. We were just talking, my sister and I, about the time we ran in Greenland. It was it was an amazing time. But I said, how did we do it? Because it's not easy to get to Greenland. You know, it's really kind of close to us, but it's very hard to get there because you huh. have to fly to Denmark because that's the only w- planes that fly into there unless sometimes th- during certain during the summer months, and we didn't go in the summer, we went in October. During the summer months, you can fly into Iceland, into Reykjavik, and then you can get a flight over there to Greenland. Otherwise, you have to fly to Denmark because it's considered, I guess, part of Denmark, Greenland. I didn't realize all this. Huh. So we had to fly to Denmark. And, of course, you know, that's like ahead of us by six hours. Then we spent the night in Denmark, had to get on a plane the next morning. And believe you me, we get off the airplane. We got to get on a train or a subway to the place where we're going to stay. And, uh huh. And, you know, it's like. So, would you do that one again? Would you go back? I would go back because, truthfully, I would like to bring my husband there. It's such a, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like being in another world. I mean, you know, it's ice and snow everywhere. We were in October and we ran on a glacier. It was absolutely incredible. Wow. Just incredible. It was incredible. And we had to wear those little micro spikes. But you know what, truthfully, again, this is one that, you know, we didn't care how fast we ran it because it was about seeing the the you know, the scenery. So you um you start pretty much near the glacier. So you start with your, your micro spikes on, and then you run out onto the glacier. And we, we stopped along the glacier and took a lot of pictures because it was just, you know, who runs on a glacier? It was amazing. <laughs> so, we ran, so we did that. And then once you come off the glacier, we kind of took off our spikes. Now, mind you, it's October, but it was pretty cold there. It was probably, I don't know. Listen, I've run in Antarctica, and it was colder in Greenland than oh it was gosh. in Antarctica. It was cold. It was cold. So, um, and at the rest stop, you know, as you're running, they served you, you know, they, and I would stop it and, you know, drink it. I was not going to just grab it and keep running. You know, I was not, I was there to enjoy the experience. It's warm. It was like sugar water with some kind of, I don't know, like a floral flavor to it. Like, I don't know, some kind of special plants they have growing there. It was just amazing. And it was warm. And it was so good. I was like, this is just great. You like a little bit of tea while you're, before you, yeah. Yeah. I mean, these were at the rest stops, you know, at the water stops. It was just amazing. But it was a hilly course. So, you know, a lot of times I'd walk up and then run down. Mm-hmm. But um, it was just great. 
But that one, I'm not sure we got a whole lot of sleep because of so many different time zones we went through. But it was okay. You know, you just learn to live with that. Right. And really, you're so excited about being at these destinations that you don't care. And I'm sure you the know? registration fees on the, you know, more expensive end, and then you've got flights and hotels. And do you have to budget mm-hmm. through your year for your race trips? Or how do you, um, how do you make it how yeah. do you manageable? Well, you know, again, yeah, you do have to budget. Because you know what? There were years that I would do nine nine marathons in a year. Wow. So some of the some of the races are not as expensive as you think. Some of mm-hmm. them aren't, you know, um, especially if it's a small town race, it might not be um, very pricey. Right. Some of the larger races can be, you know, $300 for a race entry. So, you know, you kind of plan. And believe me, I travel pretty inexpensively. You know, we look for the best airline tickets we can get. And a lot of times, you know, like I said, if we were staying in a hotel, we would try to stay in the host hotel because they usually got you a better rate. And yeah. we don't eat out, so that's always, you know, a saving. And, you know, you might not get the best flight times if you're, you know, looking to save some money. But Do you have a favorite you know, airline? All, do I have a favorite? Or do you no. just the one that works the best for you? Time I, yeah, that's, yeah. I, I really do. I, you know, I, yeah, I mean, because you know what? It's hard to say, you know, because sometimes you can get points. Like Southwest would be good for a while, but it doesn't necessarily always go everywhere you're going. So sometimes you could get your airfare with points, you know, and then I tried the credit card for a while, you know, to get points on a credit card. Right. That helps too, but, you know, it's all, you just have to, you know, and sometimes I would just work a little extra to pay for my trip. Yeah. You know, but. I guess I've kind of been fortunate in that respect, but like I said, I I try to I try to um, look for the bargains. You know, like like now. Okay. Now, just like now, I was saying to my sister, we got to get our tickets for Iceland. So I said to her, okay, this is the best deal. You don't get to pick your seat, mm-hmm. and you know, it was like a hundred and eighty dollars less if you don't pick your seat for two tickets. So I said, I think I'm just going to not pick my seat and take my chances where I sit. Yeah. You know, so those are the things you have to do. That makes total sense. And that's some, a lot of people, you know, listeners to the podcast too, don't always know that these are choices and it can feel overwhelming until you know that there are options and there are some ways to look for better. So, you know, the more we talk about it, the more little, little tips and tricks we learn. It's been fascinating to hear everybody's experiences. Everyone does it a little differently. Right, right, right. Yeah, that is true. You know, what, Mike, is, yeah. what is the distance of an ultra marathon, the one that you're doing? Um, this one is a 50K, so that's 31 miles. Wow. Yeah, so that's, you know what, truthfully, if I do an ultra, that's about the extent that I like to go. Now, I've done as far as 50 miles, but I don't know. Wow. That, 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 that's. I would never go higher than 50. My sister had a dream of doing 100 milers, and she's given up on that dream. I mean, it's just, that's just, it's just a lot. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a long time to be out there running. It is a long time. That's yeah, really grueling. And I'm not really sure you, like a lot of the times, like if you look at an ultra that's 100, like 100 miles, it's running the same loop over and over and over again. Well, I'm not, I don't have an interest in that. That doesn't sound no, like you at all. You're, the woman who told me she would never get on a treadmill would definitely not want to run loops over and over and over again. That is not. No, <laughs> no, not at, not at all. What's the point? It's just right. the same thing over and over again. That's not fun. Yeah. So where is this ultra going to be? Is this uh, in Iceland? This one's in, this, oh yeah, there's, uh, Iceland is an ultra and that's actually up over a mountain. We did a beautiful ultra in Iceland couple of years ago and this one is in a different part of the of the country not too far away from the first one but it's going it's called the hengel ultra h-e-n-g-i-l-l and it goes there's lots of distances but again it was like running the same course twice i said i'm not doing that so i said i'll go for the 50 the 50 uh 50k yeah so um so that's what i'm doing and my husband's doing it with us oh he is really he is you know what you know 
he likes those kind of events because he also loves to be, he loves the trails. He absolutely loves the trails. And this is, this will be perfect for him. You know, do you still get so, the rain jitters at all? Do you get excited or nervous or, or is that long gone by now? Yeah, not so much, you know, because I, I was a little anxious the last one I ran in February because I have not run any distance since a year ago, January, because after I ran that one in Hawaii, I was crippled horribly. You know, it was downhill and I ran a really fast race and I was just crippled. But um, so I really only run at most 20 miles in a week. And yeah. my farthest distance was 10 miles. So I said, I don't know how I'm going to do this marathon. You know, I've not really run in a year and I run very little. So I was a little anxious about that. Not so much. Um, I was just anxious that I wasn't going to be able to finish. But I did finish. And I actually finished a little better than I thought. It was under a 4.30. So I was happy about that. On that course, probably could have run closer to a four-hour um, time. But I, like I said, I hadn't run in quite some time. So I was pretty, I was happy. But that one I was nervous about. But not so much nervous anymore. Only if they have some races, especially some of the ultras, there's cutoff points, and if you don't make the cutoff yeah. time, then you're, you're out. And so those make me anxious because I'm like, you know what? There's no time to fool around here. We got to get to that checkpoint, right? You know. And I get anxious with those because I never want to be said, "Oh, you can't go on." Right. You know. Even if you're but, walking, you better hustle. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Do you and listen to anything on your long runs? No, I don't. Well, I shouldn't say that. When I'm running for training, yeah. I actually listen now to books, you know, the audible. Me too. To the book. <laughs> and I love it. I love it. I said, I've read so many books and my family says, that's not reading. I said, well, for me, it's reading. Same thing. So, um, yeah. But when I'm actually doing a race, I don't listen to anything. Yeah. Because I want to be totally, I want, I just, I want to enjoy the, the event and the scenery. And I feel if I'm distracted by listening to something, I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss why I'm there. Right. So I never listen, I never listen to music or any, any, you know, books or anything while I'm doing a race. That makes total sense. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, you know, you're there to experience the run and there's, you know, people really should look into it. There's so many great places to run and the things you'll see. So, amazing. you know, and some of these other ones, like the vacation race series that I was telling you about. So not only do you have the race itself, but they also provide you with a list of hikes in that general area. And if you do three of the hikes, it's called the trifecta. I think you get like a little special medal or something. If you write to them with a picture of you at each of the wow. um, trailheads. So, I mean, you know, in, they encourage you to actually, to your point, do you do anything else after your run? You know, that race series encourages you to explore the, you know, the, the parks in the, in the area. So, which I think is really great. A great idea. Sometimes you're like, what do I see? You know, you're like, oh God, which hike should I do? What should I do? And, you know, they, they kind of give you a little guidance and, you know, some pointers. And they, they also, I've noticed, gear it towards, you know, families. So, like, if you have young children, they'll yes. say, you know, these hikes are great for young kids. So, again, you know, really kind of catering to that whole um, vacation kind of destination, you know, so that destination. it's funny that you just mentioned that because my very next thought was about, you know, marathons are for adults and yeah <laughs> but you know I'm trying to grow a family I have three kids um mm -hmm. my oldest two are going to be 10 and 13 this spring and my youngest just turned eight so they're still very young right but not little, yeah. little anymore. they're old enough to get on bikes they're old enough to participate in fun runs and things like that and I'm trying to have an active healthy family through my own example, but also through providing them with experiences that continue to feed that love of being active. So I wondered if any of these races, have you noticed, do they have any 
kid fun runs before or after the races? Do they incorporate that at all? Or is that something that's kind of... No, I've not experienced that outside of the, um, like I said, the vacation um, race um, series. They they do offer it and they and they offer it. You know these events or these these opportunities after the race, and they include it so that you can take you know young kids. You know what I mean? Or yeah. younger, I mean, I younger would children love to go with my whole family mm-hmm. on a destination race like this, and then be able to turn it into a family vacation. Yeah. yeah, I think that you, I think you definitely can. Like next summer, I said, you know, we already have all our plans for this summer, but I said to my my family, and I've got young grandkids, and I said, listen, there's a race in Glacier National Park, and I said, I would love to do it, and your father would love to do it, and it's a half marathon. So I said, um, why don't we all meet there and then again, this this you know it's through vacation races, and then they tell you what other hikes are out in that area. And I said, if we all meet there and we camp or whatever, I said, you know, then we can do things all of us together, meaning the grandkids and my adult children. Yeah, and and they were all for it, all of them. They're like, that sounds fabulous. Let's do it. That's great. So, yeah, because you know it's important, and you know. I really kind of, it's not that I didn't do things with my kids. I did. I mean, don't get me wrong. We took them, you know, every year on some, you know, crazy trip. We always tried to do something um, educational and then thrown in an amusement park, you know, yeah. because, you know, otherwise they get, you know, like we went to Gettysburg one year and they loved that. And, you know, we saw all kinds of, you know, um, historic sites, but I knew that that would, not be enough for them so then we you know spent a day at Hershey Park nearby so you know so I always tried to combine the two of them but you know this way I want to make sure that that's carried through with my grandkids too not that I don't think my kids will do it but you know I also want to be kind of part of it so I thought this is a great way is you know let's meet someplace and and kind of do those outdoor type activities and really you know get to enjoy each other's company and yet experience some beautiful parts of, of our country. Because there really are beautiful places, and I, I just don't know that we all take advantage of them. I agree. More than one of our guests on the podcast have talked about living in a place and not looking around and exploring yeah. where we are. You know, I lived in New York City when I was in college, and... Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little bit of a touristy feel, but once once you make you know that the place you sleep every night, I never went yeah. to Statue of Liberty. I never went, and I left. I, I lived and left and never saw some of the things that people travel far and yeah. wide to go and see. And so I laugh about it. You know, I was like, no, actually, I, I lived there for four years and I never even saw it. <laughs> I know it's so true. It is so true. And yep. and we shouldn't be like that because I don't want you know the rest of our country to be my Statue of Liberty. I don't want to live in this country and not see what it has, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and there's so much here, and that was one. That was another reason to do the 50 states. I got a little taste of each state, and I could say, "Wow!" And you know, here's the other thing that I do do, and I encourage people to do this is I have a map of the United States and I have it actually, it's framed and you can put pins in it. And I have a pin in all the locations I've been where I've run a marathon. And whether you're, you're tracking where you're running or you're tracking where you've traveled, you know, for your vacations, I think it's just a great visual because I'll look at that map and my little grandson will come over and he'll be like, Grandma, have you ever been to blah, blah, blah? I'm like, well, let's look at the map. And, you you know, and the thing is, the thing is, when you look at it, you can, you can then plan to say, you know what, I've been there. Where else would I like to go? And, you know, and I look at my pins and I'm like, sometimes they're like on the border. Like I run a marathon, like on the border in each state, but it's like right next to each other because it's on the border. I'm like, well, I've missed the whole rest of these two states. I should branch out and try to see something else in that state. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I just think that to me, if I had a young family right now, I would have one of those maps and I would put pins on it for every place that we've traveled 
as a family and the sites that we've seen. And then, you know, it's just a great opportunity to say, okay, where do we want to go to next? Because I truly believe this, that part of the fun of traveling, whether it be for a race or another reason, is the planning and the anticipation of getting there. You know, I always like yes. to have my trip planning as I'm, you know, enjoying the one I'm on. You know what I mean? I always want to have, like, where am I going after this? Because it's the anticipation of knowing you're going to get to see another place. Yeah, I think is it what it's what keeps me going. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, it does. And again, you're not the first person to mention that planning is part of your vacation process. It's part of the enjoyment of thinking about somewhere new and learning mm -hmm. something new and sort of being present in the moment and not, you know, enjoy the planning as much as. And yeah. also, many people have said the travel as well. And you brought it up today when you said your impromptu road trip when your flight was canceled in West Virginia. You know, mm -hmm. that that was your just getting from one place to another that you were able to be in the moment and turn it into part of your experience that you valued. And I'm, even in a plane trip, when we took our children on a plane for the first time, <laughs> it, to me and, and my husband, that was, you know, an annoyance, an old hat, but to the kids, that was one of the highlights of the entire vacation was the traveling to our destination. It's so true. Yep. You are absolutely right. Yeah, enjoy the whole experience because it is. It's all part of it. Well, you've inspired me in, in so many ways. Uh, you might actually see the Monroe family in Glacier. <laughs> at the you said a half marathon. I was like, oh, I can do that. Yeah, it's a half I might be looking that up, Mary. You should look it up. Vacation races, and let me tell you something. They do a lot of half marathons, and um, they go to incredible places. And it just kind of opens your eyes to what is out there. Yeah. I think that's what I really like about it. Yeah, I'm excited. Where do we go? Want to go next? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Thank you. So I hope that we can stay in touch. You are such an amazing person to talk to. And uh -huh. You know, if I have other questions, I hope you don't mind if I give you a call. Not at all. We're so glad you're enjoying all of our topics and our travel tips. We couldn't do it without the support you show us by leaving feedback when you download an episode and by letting your friends know about us. Make your next stop our Better Family Travel group on Facebook and share your ideas and questions at askbft at betterfamilytravel.com. Extra special thanks goes to the crew at CMG Podcast Network, whose production expertise supports an extensive family of podcasters and more. Check them out at clovercrestmedia.com.